Driving towards a cleaner environment. Are electric vehicles good for the environment? <laughs> no, let's not kid ourselves. Are they driving us towards a cleaner environment than conventional vehicles? That's not so easy to answer. One has to balance the advantages against the disadvantages. Electric vehicles, EVs, are powered by electricity, obviously. Therefore, unlike fossil fuel powered internal combustion engines, ICE, they produce no pollutants when powering the electric motor. But that electricity has to be generated. Kinetic energy recovery systems, KERS, can provide some of it, although not all electric cars have a KERS system. Mainly, it comes from the power grid, some of which is generated by solar and wind, some of which comes from coal-fired power stations. Also, that power needs to be transported from where it's generated to where it's delivered. There are energy losses along the way, so the electricity that is needed to be generated to fuel an electric car is greater than the car actually uses. How much fossil fuel is used to power an electric car compared to a petrol or diesel-powered ICE car? I don't know, but I know the answer is not none. How close is it to the same amount? Show me some data. Most electric and hybrid cars use batteries to store the electricity to power the car. Those batteries currently use five main minerals, cobalt, graphite, magnesium, nickel, and lithium. Extracting and processing those minerals present challenges. Concerns over future supplies of these has prompted the US Department of the Interior to add them to its list of critical minerals. In addition, there are other critical minerals and rare earth elements required for today's lithium ion batteries. Rare earth elements are called rare for a reason. It also takes a lot of water to extract those minerals. EV batteries are expensive, likely to become more so, they're heavy, and they have a short lifespan. The current lifespan of an EV battery is, depending where you read, from 10 to 20 years. Most manufacturers will offer a warranty of five to eight years. If we say an average distance traveled in a year is 20,000 kilometers, your warranty should be good for about 160,000 kilometers, 100,000 miles. That's not too bad, but it's nowhere near the lifespan of the rest of the vehicle. It's going to need replacing sometime. When these batteries approach the end of their lives, they don't usually just die. They're given an indication by a drop-off in performance. So there is going to be a period where they start to annoy you with that gradually more noticeable drop-off. Now what? The owner is going to have to decide between repurposing or disposal. Unlike an old phone or torch battery, you're not going to be able to stick your old car battery in a cupboard until you have enough of them to make it worthwhile trundling down to have them recycled. The good news is the EV battery can be used as a storage medium for solar panels if you have those, and if you have space for the battery, and if you know how to connect the two or are willing to pay for it. There will also likely be commercial applications for reuse. At some stage though, it's gonna have to go. As the materials used in EV batteries are valuable, the batteries have residual value in the raw materials, so that makes recycling appealing. They just need to be recovered. But extracting those materials is 
challenging, according to Dr. Collis, the principal research scientist with the CSIRO's manufacturing business unit. According to Dr. Collis, quote, current batteries are not designed for a circular economy, so they're not designed to be disassembled easily and valuable components recovered, unquote. At the end of their usable life, batteries are crushed into black mass before often energy-intensive processes are used to separate the materials. Energy-intensive, huh? Where does that energy come from? Separating the black mass is still a challenge, says Dr. Collis. There are lots of groups working to improve that process. It doesn't help that there are different chemistries used in different lithium-ion batteries. Collis's opinion is echoed by materials scientist Dana Thompson of the University of Leicester and research fellow at the Faraday Institution, who also says that EV batteries are really not designed to be recycled. In a landfill, its cells can release toxins, including heavy metals. As for recycling, cut in the wrong place or too deeply into a Tesla cell, for example, and it can short circuit, combust, and release toxic fumes. These are some of the challenges to which Dr. Collis refers. As mentioned before, EV batteries are heavy, so an EV car is going to weigh more than a comparatively sized ICE car. Let's say a manufacturer provides the choice of a car in EV or ICE, such as Volvo's XC40. Uh, the weight comparison is 2,000 kilograms for the EV, 1,700 for the ICE. An extra 300 kilograms is like carrying around an extra four people all the time. This is significant, particularly in two areas, brakes and tyres. This extra weight means that unless the EV vehicle has bigger brakes than a conventional equivalent, it's going to take longer to stop under braking. Bigger brakes will use more raw material with an associated increase in energy for manufacture, which will cost more. Standard brakes will result in an increased stopping distance, meaning a reduction in safety margin. The extra weight of the battery will also increase wear on the tyres, so there will be an increased cost for tyres. That cost is both economic and environmental. We often refer to tyres as being made of rubber, partly right. The percentages vary depending on the performance characteristics the tyre will have, but as a general guideline, a tyre is made from 19% natural rubber, 24% synthetic rubber, including styrene, butadiene and isoprene, all from petroleum, also known as gasoline in the US, 4% textiles, this includes polyester and nylon, both made from petroleum, 26% fillers, including oil and carbon black, which is made from petroleum and coal. 12% steel and 14% antioxidants, anti-ozonants and curing systems. Okay, so there's oil in tires. How much? Are you sitting down? It takes about 26 litres of oil to make one car tire. 19 litres are used to produce a synthetic rubber and over seven litres for the whole tyre manufacturing process. This includes fueling the energy needed to prepare the materials and assemble the tyre. For four tyres then, that's more than 75 litres. Throw in a spare tyre and call it 95 litres. 
That's about 21 gallons or 25 US gallons. This is talking about a standard car tire, not large SUVs, vans, buses, or trucks. An EV has the same number of tires as an ICE car. The EV owner is wearing his tires quicker than the ICE driver because of the weight of the battery, so he's using more oil. Many cars that currently use electric power are hybrid, using both an electric motor and an internal combustion engine. How much of the time will the electric motor be used compared to the ICE? That will vary depending upon how the vehicle is used, so there's no simple answer to that question. However, the manufacturers often don't help in trying to see the full picture. Consider the 2023 Toyota Corolla with US specs. Petrol consumption in the hybrid is better than in the conventional by a long way for city driving, 47 miles per gallon versus 32 miles per gallon. But there is no difference for highway driving, both 41 miles per gallon. Why might that be? The hybrid version has an ultra low emission vehicle rating, ELEV 70, whereas the conventional version has a super ultra low emission vehicle rating, ELEV 30. Simply stated, the hybrid puts out more polluting emissions when using petrol than the conventional version. Think about that when highway driving. Petrol consumption is not a comparison of the ICE motors in both versions. In the case of the hybrid version, it factors in the electric motor use for distance traveled. However, it does not factor in the cost of that electric power. Electric range and time to refuel the electric motor is not provided. The conventional version has a curb weight of 1,343 kilograms. For some reason, the hybrid doesn't seem to weigh anything. I'm sure they know, but they're not telling us. Draw your own conclusions. Both versions have the same braking system. Remember we were talking about stopping distances and safety margins? Each of these points cover up a part of the full picture. None of this is intended to give the impression that EVs do not reduce the amount of pollution going into the atmosphere. Correctly or incorrectly, I assume they do. Maybe hybrids do too. The question we should ask ourselves is not just does it make a difference, but how much difference does it make? And more importantly, what effect does that difference make? Governments around the world have net carbon zero targets, and many want to reduce the amount of carbon dioxide produced by ICE cars, so they are pushing for electric vehicles. Currently, there are many obstacles to having EVs completely replace ICE cars. Number one, raw materials. It is unknown, but believed to be unlikely that there are enough raw materials available to make enough current generation of EV batteries. There are roughly 1.4 billion vehicles on the roads worldwide. Number two, there is currently insufficient electricity being produced to power the number of cars on our roads. Number three, range can be restrictive. Number four, time to refuel can be problematic. EV batteries are generally designed to be recharged slowly. This helps to increase their life. Having fast time to recharge batteries may mean either the battery has less capacity, meaning less range, or it has a shorter lifespan. Number five, they weigh more. 
increasing wear and tear and reducing safety margins. Number six, recycling batteries is difficult and expensive. Number seven, disposal of the batteries can be dangerous and they can leach toxins. Think of this for 1.4 billion batteries over the next 10 to 20 years and continuing into the future. Number eight, they may be less polluting to run, but they still pollute and they use more tires over their lifetime than a conventional vehicle. Number nine, they cost more. Even if EVs could replace all the ICE cars on the road around the world, it won't result in net carbon zero, even for cars. 1.4 billion EVs is somewhere between 35 million and 44 million barrels of oil for tires, depending how many of those have spare tires. Although an extensive infrastructure will need to be developed to support EVs, this should not necessarily be considered an impediment. Such infrastructure was developed for petrol, diesel and LPG vehicles. Research and development, R&D, is always producing better, more efficient or cleaner options. It may be that subsequent generations of batteries can be produced much more cheaply in greater quantities, be easier to recycle and safer to dispose of. Much of this article has focused on the limitations of EV batteries and electric hybrid vehicles. Yet EV batteries may be superseded by alternative power sources, one example being hydrogen, where an onboard hydrogen power cell produces electricity on demand. It can be supplied directly to the powertrain or for storage. Additionally, hydrogen power is scalable, so it can be used for buses and trucks. This scalability is a limitation which current EV batteries have not been able to overcome. Of course, manufacturers such as Toyota, Hyundai, BMW, Chevrolet and startup H2X are indeed looking beyond pumping in electricity from external sources, so the future for electric is probably as bright as Edison's light bulb was. It is worth considering that the incandescent light bulb has been superseded by LED, underlining the inevitable effects of R&D. It is difficult to measure the net difference EVs would make to the pollution caused from the use of cars. It is even more difficult to determine, and currently unknown, what effect that difference would have in any case, people shouldn't imagine that because they've got an EV, they're clean and green. That's far from the truth.